With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello, welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, back at it again. A few weeks in a row now, we've been able to link up with uh, no guests. So, whew, what's going on, Aaron? Thursday night. Thursday night, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Battling another cold and it's driving me nuts. Oh, yeah, it's really driving me nuts here. But other than that, all good. Ready for a weekend. And Saturday should be probably the best home atmosphere at Rupp Arena we've had this year. Yeah, I know. And the previous Saturday, that was the case. That was the biggest crowd and, and oh, best atmosphere far. I've seen at Florida. So and I think you're right. I think it'll top it. But I guess I know what yours is probably going to be, Aaron. Yeah. But uh, you can lead us this week. So uh, what's the good and the bad? Yeah, yeah, definitely nailed the bad. Just as you could probably hear, a little just sore throat action going on. I kind of had bad luck after not getting sick like all of last year. So it's like kind of caught up with me having a couple different things, but hopefully this one will pass pretty quick. I'm ready a couple days into it, so it should be over soon. But on a good note, um, yeah, honestly, everything else is pretty good. I think. For me right now, the biggest thing is I'm just kind of trying to look by the whole Houston thing and knowing baseball's back both at the collegiate level and then spring training. Obviously, I'm a huge baseball guy and covered the UK game that took 15 innings on Sunday. Uh, kind of mm. had some fun in the press box with some of the people up there, though, that made it easy to get through. And just good to have that sport back because kind of like, I mean, obviously, we're in the heart of basketball season, both NBA and getting into March. But when football goes away, uh, you know, basketball is only a couple of days a week for, you know, specific teams. So it's good to have something on a consistent basis. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, baseball's back, but we're actually finally starting to get some wintry weather. It's been cold, we got a little bit of snowish <laughs> this week. So, but um, I will say the days are getting longer, which is awesome. I was, I was out yes. running a rounding with the kids tonight and it was I looked at the clock it was almost seven o'clock and you could probably play catch outside still so that that's awesome I think the time will change here in a couple of weeks so I always dread the time changing the winter and really celebrate it when it comes back agreed agreed well for me this week I'm trying to think of what's going on a uh, good stuff actually uh, uh, one of my followers last night inspired me I saw that he had put something on there just about like reading to his kids and like making a commitment in 2020 with his family just to like them individually read and read together. So um, we had done that in the past at my family. I always give Lily some summer reading and I try to read and I've just gotten totally off of it, man. Like when you write, it's hard to read. <laughs> I feel like because anytime I'm away from 
you know, get some free time. I just don't want to have anything to do with like words and writing and reading. <laughs> yeah, understood. I mean, it's such a, I think, I know my parents read to me as a kid and it, it's something you cherish. I think what, as in the, like now thinking back on it and obviously it teaches kid you learn a lot so it's all good that's a good lesson to pick up <laughs> yeah for sure the kids you know there's all kinds of studies that you know proves it makes them smarter and stuff and uh, kind of tying it back in with like the whole good thing is that like i also have just like totally by luck and i guess inheritance is a better word like dude aaron i have one badass library like i have a ton of like my dad just has an incredible collection of like civil war books vietnam like a lot of american history books uh president's books stuff like that and then recently, like maybe last year or so, um, he still lives in like a family house, like my great grandfather's house. And he lived in it. And I'm all just in the basement or whatever. And I have some books, like some classic books, like A Tree Girls in Brooklyn, like just different classic books like that from like, I was looking them up last night. There's a few that are like 130 years old. Wow. That's yeah. pretty dang cool. I love the yeah, American so history stuff too. Yeah, me too. A big American history buff. So that was my good, man. I was just inspired and I'm going to try to stay to it, even if it's just read a few pages a night and kind of force it upon the family as well. Um, the bad man, I really wanted to kind of not get into this, but I'm sure you don't follow this much, Aaron. It's going to make me sound like a bitter old man, which I'm getting to be. But dude, the stock market <laughs> is on a plummet this week, like, yeah, like an unprecedented I kind of drop with this this virus going around. Um, which makes my job a little bit stressful, a little bit more stressful. So it sucks. Yeah, this coronavirus thing is scary. I'm just hoping it stays further and further away and dies down out there. But it looks like it's inevitable that it's going to be here in the States. And uh, it's a little scary, but hopefully they can find a resolution, whether it's vaccinations, medication. I don't know. I'm no medical expert, but it's scary. It is, man. It's kind of out of out of control, seemingly, because you just don't know what information you're getting on it. But, man, I know a few people, too, that like have vacations planned abroad that are really, really looking forward to it. And they're getting so close to the danger point to have to cancel them. And I feel absolutely terrible for them. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they'll figure all that out because it's some it's some weak sauce, man. It's really messing up a lot and people's lives are being impacted. People are sick. So F that. But um, good things <laughs> going on besides the coronavirus that could really caused some damage is uh <laughs> dude the cats are on a tear man seven in a row i think 11 of the last 12 really had an awesome stretch of basketball on tuesday night against texas a&m so i think most of the fan base is feeling good man and what do you know it's the end of the season heading into march and coach cal has his boys playing as you know one of the best teams in the country big surprise yeah not not a surprise at all they've obviously the last really Ever really since the Louisville game, I I don't know exactly what the record is. They've only lost um, twice since then. And the last seven games especially, I mean, they've really um, heated up. And that's – you got to look at the numbers and thank Emmanuel quickly for a lot of that. I mean, it's Whew. unbelievable what that guy is doing. At least double digits every game since the Louisville game, up to 16.2 points per game. And obviously, uh, the Texas Tech game was the best game of his career so far. He hit eight threes 30 points i mean that's my sec player of the year there's no doubt about it but overall as a team i think um as they kind of always do that they've gotten hot here in february uh peaking at the right time but i still think there's more to i'm still concerned about the fact that they seem to let these large leads slip and the game get closer and closer 
Um, and obviously my biggest concern is what are they going to do against the press? Because we saw that Florida game. It's almost looked like as if Kentucky was doing everything they could to give the game away. And obviously it's not that what they were doing, they're just struggling, but you know, you hit the wrong team in March and I mean like a West Virginia team, which they could really, if they end up a four seed, they can match up with on the, in the first weekend, you know, West Virginia's press Virginia that I don't know how well Kentucky handles that. And that, that concerns. Yeah. The late game situations are, are getting concerning and Ashton Hagen's turnovers, which is a, a better way to say that, which is, I think a point of concern, but uh, correctable though. It's all correctable. A lot of that late yeah. game stuff is, is more scheme than skill. So I'm not tremendously worried about it, especially because they're winning. If they were losing those close games, you know, it'd be a totally different story. But man, you're right. Emmanuel quickly, dude. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's just been unbelievable. Dude, I, I just looked up his stats too, Aaron. This is something I hadn't heard dropped and I didn't realize he's only not hit a three in two games this season. That is That's incredible. Wow. I haven't wow. heard anybody mention that. Um, that that's, real, that's just another unbelievable stat. I mean, scoring 30 points to like he did at Texas A&M is just such an incredible task in college basketball, you know, where you're only going to probably get at best. I think he played like 37 minutes. The refs always play such a role. You know, there's not as much freedom of movement. So unbelievable. He really is. And I think, yeah, he's absolutely taking the lead for SEC Player of the Year overtaking Nick Richards probably because by all indications, you know, if Kentucky wins Saturday, they obviously win the SEC regular season championship, which is huge. And, you know, typically the the player of the year will come from the winning team. And I do think the Cats win on Saturday. I don't think Auburn has anything for them in Rupp Arena. Yeah, I like I like their shot at chances at Rupp Arena. I'd be, I definitely have said the same. I think that UK wins that game, but you still got to <laughs> put teams away. Auburn's obviously a team that they're not the same. Last year they kind of lived in for a while. They were living and dying by the three. This year they're a little more physical and they're not as great from behind the arc. But you know Kentucky struggled a little bit with the physical teams. Obviously Austin Wiley did a really good job with Nick Richards, but at home, uh, Kentucky having lost what now two in a row to Auburn in the tournament, obviously, and then the game they had down there which was their last loss on February 1st. I mean, you'd think the revenge factor from both the players, because unlike most years, there are a lot of players who were in that tournament game, and obviously the whole team was in the game a month ago, and the fan base who hasn't seen Auburn at Rupp since um, obviously what happened in March. you got to think that this is a game that UK gets up for and at home should be able to win. Yeah, I do. I think they snapped that streak. They would have beat him had that game not been in Auburn, you know, a few weeks ago and the refs not caught it the way they did with them shooting like infinity amount of free throws. So I don't see that happening again. And I just um, I went on the real talk with Benny T today and did some radio. And I just kept saying that it's not last year's Auburn, you know, Bryce um, Brown, Jared Harper, Okiki. They just don't have. To, in my opinion, the you know the players, the horses to really compete with a team like Kentucky when they're playing their best. I know Isaac Okoro is really good. Samir Dowdy is pretty good, but besides that, I'm just I'm not too worried about it. Um, essentially, in my opinion, Aaron, they're going to have to hit a lot of threes to beat Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely, and they're capable of it. But at the same time, I, I, Rob, I, with how the series has gone of late, um, I think, and also how both teams are playing right now. 
Uh, Auburn did have a really good game on Tuesday. That I think they blew out. Was it Ole Miss at home? But before that, they had the loss to Georgia. They've had a lot of close games. I think they've played in overtime five times this year. I think that's just an SEC play alone. So they've kind of escaped a couple times and at Rep Arena, really. I think it'll be a close game. There's no point in predicting anything else with this Kentucky team, but I just I don't see them coming in to Rupp this weekend and stealing one. It'll be a good one. Like you said, the atmosphere is going to be jumping. The players know what's on the line. Oh, yeah. This is the SEC regular season championship. Let me ask you this, Aaron. So, uh, Ashton Hagens, you know, maybe it's that he's a little getting a little worn down, needs a break, although he absolutely obliterated that guy at the rim and so, the, the best play of his career. Yeah. But that being said, again, you know, there's some, he got a little bit of an injury, you know, a couple games ago. There is a, a big load on him the way he plays defense, handed the primary ball handler. So I've heard some people today mentioning if they do win Saturday, clinch the SEC regular season championship, the number one seed in Nashville, would you be opposed to the idea of them sitting him till the first round of the SEC tournament? Oh, the first no. game for them. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed at all. I actually think that'd be smart. And I keep saying, like, <laughs> I keep going back to what happened even in the SEC tournament last year with PJ. And he gets hurt again in the last final months there against Tennessee. Uh, obviously, he misses the first two, the first weekend. Kentucky survives without him. Uh, Wofford, they almost didn't. We were there. And then they beat Houston. But the Auburn game, while PJ scored, what, like 28, he missed a bunch of free throws. And we both know that he wasn't playing 100%. So it makes you wonder, God, if they had PJ at full strength, would he be, would he have been even more dominant? Would it put him over the hump? I don't think you risk any injuries. I think that even in the SEC tournament, you don't risk injuries. So yeah, I would absolutely be willing to bench Hagens and give him the rest for those two games, get him to play in the SEC tournament to get that playoff juice going. But then also being careful. I mean, you don't want to push anyone until March. Like the, the NCAA, I don't even care about. I really don't care about the SEC tournament. The only thing that concerns me with it, though, Aaron, is most likely, sure, you set him a couple games. They come back to the SEC tournament. He could very likely get three games in three days, which is a ton. Yeah. But at the same time, what if, if Kentucky comes out? They rest in those two games. Maybe they come out flat. They play like shit on that Friday noon game. It'll be you know a early tip off and they get clipped, maybe even Ashton Higgins doesn't play that well, then boom, you're talking going right into the thick of things in the NCAA tournament with him maybe a little even more rusty. But that's just me playing devil's advocate. I, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of him resting either. But I do think there's some inherent risk if that is the, the route they choose, assuming they win Saturday. Yeah, there is inherent risk. But at the same time, I think I would trade healthy Ashton Higgins for a rusty one. I think you could work off Russ through a game. And luck, I mean, yeah, he's a huge part of their defense. Offensively, I think they've kind of been able to survive without him scoring more than six a game. Uh, and I think his defense, for the most part, has been there. Obviously, the turnovers have killed them, and they can't uh, get that. They can't afford that from him, but there are ways around it where you get him, whether it's you don't want to take him off the ball, but if you want to put the ball in his hands less, Kentucky is one of the rare teams where you can afford to do that because you have Maxie and Quickly, who I'm, Cal always says, I have three point guards. I mean, those two guys have proven more reliable with the balls in their hands. So if Higgins is really struggling, 
I mean, I don't know if you take them off the ball or put them, I don't know what you do, but I think that I'm starting to believe that they can get by with Higgins okay on offense, but, you know, himself on defense. I really believe, Aaron, that at some point, whether it's Saturday, the, one of the final two games, hopefully one of these postseason games, that just the insane emergence of Emmanuel Quickly's presence is going to really open up the game for the backcourt. And Tyrese Maxey or Ashton Higgins is just going to have a field day and torch a team, most likely Maxey. So <laughs> I'm excited, man. I think this team is poised for a, another deep run, and health's going to be a big part of it. I hope everybody's just healthy, has their legs, you know, get a decent draw. And um, I hope they win the SEC tournament, too. I, I think that's going to be a blast this year. Especially with you know Florida Tech LSU to the woodshed the other night, so it's going to be fun. And then even the weak teams, you know, like Georgia and stuff has you know Anthony Edwards. So there's going to be elements of fun in pretty much every game in the SEC tournament, even though the league's not looked upon as much. It'll be competitive. I mean, everyone's going to compete, and you know what? The winner of it gets an automatic bid. And there's definitely teams like uh, Georgia and South Carolina who are probably on the outside looking in that need it to get in and have the teams capable to make a run and do it in this tournament. All right, real quick before we jump into some other stuff and kind of get wrapped up, uh, let's take a commercial break for the sponsors. All right, welcome back. Cats by 90 podcast. Big Blue Drew, Aaron Gershon, um, chopping it up here on a Thursday evening, February 27th. We got two more days left because it's a leap year. Playing on leap day. I think it's Kentucky's first ever game on a leap day, I believe. Ever? Wow. I that? think so. I might be wrong about that, but I saw uh, Randy from Big Blue Express was putting out like SEC history on leap day, and um, Kentucky wasn't on there, but it could have just been SEC teams versus each other i'm not sure i'll try to look that's that up crazy. this week um but i wanted to ask you and it's been like the uh there's two hot topics um right now we can kind of hit those with the net rankings and the uniform so don't let me forget the uniforms but <laughs> i haven't talked to you i've talked to like everybody in the world i feel like this week about the net rankings and just kind of their opinion on it and how they suck um what's your thoughts on the the net and kentucky's 19th now but a lot of weird stuff yeah, it's less that Kentucky doesn't surprise me because they lost two really bad games. I keep bringing that up. I mean, they lost to Evansville and they lost to Utah. And then, you know, you can use the argument, well, that was three games into the season. Okay, then fine. Erase the Michigan State win and erase the Louisville win. That's what we're talking. Because Utah had been right before Louisville and Evansville was two games after Michigan State. So if you're going to take those games off, you have to take the other two and I don't think anyone wants to take the Michigan State and Louisville game away. So I get where Kentucky's ranked, but some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them, like, were even, like, are close behind. Like, I saw Minnesota's 45th in the net, and they're 13 and 14. Like, how is that worthy of being exactly? Yeah, it's, it's, so there's some weird things. Issue with the, you just made some good points, Aaron. I think, you know, I haven't heard too many people looking at it from that side of the coin. They just kind of focus on the pieces that I'm going to hit, which is just like the stupidity or the variability in some of this stuff. Like Arizona's seventh in the net and 19 and eight when they don't even play in a good league. They don't really have that many terrific wins. So that's insane to me. Um, West Virginia is another one. They've lost like all these games in a row. And let me see where they're at. I want to say they're like 14th in the net. 
uh, 16th at 19 and nine. They've lost like, I don't know, like five of six or something. So there's this weird disparity to me. And I guess that's the biggest issue I have with it, but I really don't care, man. I think this season by far seeding is like less than important to me. I'm worried about location. I'd like to, to me, I guess a two, three, I, I don't I honestly don't really care. I think that Kentucky could be whatever one seed they have in their, you know, on their side of the region, if they're playing the way that they can play. And I'm just continually going to down the hill of Kentucky determines if they advance, not their seeding and who they end up playing. If they're playing their ball, it's the same every year. They're going to beat who's in front of them because there's just no juggernauts this season that terrify me. Oh, no, there's definitely no juggernauts. I think the last year, I keep going back to it, it was Duke, and they didn't even get out of the Elite Eight. Um, but this year, uh, no juggernauts. I think that I would say going into the tournament, Kansas is the favorite. That Azabuki kid, man, is uh, he's special. I think they're really good. I think Baylor and Dayton are really good, but by no means are any of them, you know, just not beatable. They're all beatable. And Kentucky matches up with just about everybody in the country if they're playing, like you said, their best ball. Question is, can they put away games? And can they also, they got to avoid, to me, they've also not the Texas A&M game, and I'm trying to think, they were okay out of the gate in the Florida game, but they've struggled to start the game. And they've gotten into some early holes. Obviously, we saw them trail double digits at half to Vanderbilt both games this year. You're not going to survive that against the Baylor, against the Dayton or whatever. So that's another thing. So as long as they avoid slow starts and can finish, I think they'll be fine. And I'm I'm excited for the geography aspect of it too. I was just kind of making my plans for the NCAA tournament. Me and you talked about that a little today. And it'd be much easier to drive to St. Louis than fly to Spokane (laughs) or something like that. So, But I love it, Aaron. This is like my second time, I guess, really knowing or, you know, planning to cover the NCAA tournament. And it's kind of cool, man. I don't know any other time in my life where I'll just be sitting around on a Sunday evening and, you know, like, all right, I'm packing my bag, probably leave Wednesday. So it's cool. I'm excited. There's some there's some decent sites this year um, that we could end up going to, some off-the-wall ones. I'd rather not go to Nebraska. Sacramento would be cool for me. It's hella far. But my uh, good friend actually moved from Cleveland, so it'll hurt me if we go to Cleveland because I would have had a nice place to stay. But he's now in San Francisco, which is just a couple hours away, and I'd like to see him. So who knows, cool. man? But yeah, I don't know where the hell we're going. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we're on the trail together, though. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there wherever it is. I mean, I'm just hoping. Like, I mean, I'm I'm selfishly not rooting for the West Coast, especially if they end up in the West bracket and potentially go to the West Coast two weeks in a row, and I have to go from say Spokane to Lexington back to L.A. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I forgot. I forgot about too. That's cool, man. One of the regionals being in LA. I just don't remember. I don't ever remember a regional there. And isn't New York City too, right? Like it's pretty cool yeah, to have MSG. you know those major cities like yeah. as regional. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you got MSGs the East. Like last year's a good uh, example. Kansas City, Indy's one, right? Indy. Indy's the Midwest, and then you got Houston down as the South. Right. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting was- to see how that goes. What was last year? Kansas City was a regional, and then it was like D.C. I forget the other two. I know D.C. was one. Yeah. Now this is a better year for it. That's how it always is, though. It's always kind of like, you know, not small cities, but 
you know, mid, mid-sized cities like Kansas City that host them. Like, I don't remember, you know, it's not usually like LA, New York City, Chicago. So I'm pumped right. about that. I just can't wait to kind of, you know, figure out where they fall, but just wrapping that back up into the net. I don't get too much into, into that stuff because. It's going to be a body of work. And, I mean, there's still a lot left to be. Kentucky still is going to play, what, five games that, you know, the committee will take into consideration. So they have some opportunity to get some blowout wins or take a bad loss or whatever it is. So there's still so much to be ironed out that I feel like people two weeks ago were just, you know, convinced Kentucky was playing whatever team, you know, in this region. And a lot to be ironed out. And by this time next week, we'll have a much clearer picture of what to expect. Yeah, I mean, I've been told that pretty much the bracket is done before the conference tournaments. It's only the only tweaks are if you um, have obviously like a team that gets an auto bid or someone really has an awful, awful week. So you will pretty much know where Kentucky seating wise should land after the Florida game next week. Yep, going down to Gainesville. But all right, another hot topic from the week that kind of just like the net, I usually kind of stay away from this debate and was kind of apathetic. But forming an opinion now that it's such a hot topic, but checkerboards, the uniforms, Mitch Barnhart, throwback this, alternates. There's lots of aspects. And no, well, one thing there's no arguing is that the fan base wants new uniforms. They hate the checkerboard. I know you haven't really been around Kentucky for you know, your whole life to kind of go through those uniform phases, especially in the 90s when they had a lot of uh, unique ones like the denim and stuff. So what's your take, Aaron? Do you do you think they need to get some new uniforms no. or are you good with the checkerboard? I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm really fine with it. I'm also I'm, I pretty I, I'm a traditional uniform guy because I'm a Yankee fan and they're never going to change. And I love it that way. I, I don't I just uh, don't okay, get I like the that whole relation. I don't get the whole outcry. I mean, I, I understand maybe they're a little boring and, you know, Louisville has some cool alternates or whatever. Who cares? Like, at the end of the day, what matters is how they're performing. Like, does it really matter if there were – would you rather have a team win the NCAA tournament with the checkerboard uniforms or a team with a cool alternate or, you know, less checkerboards getting dumped in the Sweet 16? Like, I think we'd all trade. <laughs> well, I don't the know that anyone's trading tournament wins for new t- for new uniforms. That's how, but but that's how I, some I people are reacting, point. and I'm like, oh my god! Like these like uniforms your, are like so better with the Yankees. Yeah, but like people are making these uniforms look like like some of the or- horrible Oregon uniforms they have out there for football or something. Like they're pretty damn nice. Like I know they're not like the most. Uh, like I said, they're, they don't stand out. They're not like, oh, my God, these are the best uniforms in the country. But it's not like people are acting like there's some piece of crap. Like, they're just not. Well, I'm not going to hard disagree with you, but I will disagree. I would definitely – I would have liked at least an alternate in yeah, the rotation. I, the alternate. I just think it's good. Like, like Auburn game's a perfect example. You kind of just hold on to it. Maybe it's the opposite. When your team really needs a win, you're on a skid. Or something like this, you, you know, big game at home. Biggest game of the season at home. Big be uh you know what four o'clock on saturday so good time slot come out in some gray black uniform something like that but checkerboard didn't used to bother me as much but now i kind of am getting to the point where at least i want to change and i'm with you on the fact too that i like um a more traditional style it doesn't have to be something really cool and fancy it can be you know very basic or maybe you know incorporate just that kentucky true blue 
But the fans won it. So it'll be very, very, very curious to see, Aaron, with like the uniform thing's got more traction right now than it ever has over the last, you know, since Cal's been here. So I'll be anxious to see if they actually do change something about it or if Nike just has it, you know, cuffed up to where maybe they're not even calling those shots. Yeah, and I I agree with the alternate. I'm okay with that. I just don't think changing the uniforms they have, unless it's minor, is that. I don't. I I wouldn't say that it would. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't think it's some big deal that some of these fans are basically like on their knees begging for. (laughs) Is my point. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, I think blown out of proportion. I guess is a quick, easy way to say it. It definitely is. People are triggered for. Kind of uh, no reason, but yeah. I mean, when when well, that, I mean, so I guess that... you'll be at Rub Saturday, right? Oh yeah, of course. Sweet, I will. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I'll probably try to get there a little bit early. I like that four o'clock yeah. game time. Have not seen yep. a spread on the I game, like which that. I was kind of looking forward to seeing because I'm not sure what it would be. I would say like Kentucky, maybe like two and a two half or, three. or something. It's not going to be much. Which is understandable. Excited to see Bruce Pearl. Love love seeing Bruce Pearl. I feel like it's my one millionth time covering a game that he's coaching, but always enjoy it. I I like his. uh, I like it. I like him, man. I I know know if people like to poke fun of him or probably don't like him much because he's one of the coaches I've had Kentucky's number the last couple of years, but I think he's done a really amazing job at an Auburn team, Auburn school that. That's the definition of a football school, right? I mean, if you want to say Kentucky is a basketball school um, and, you know, football is coming along, they're exactly the same where they're a football school and basketball is coming along, but their basketball team's already been to a Final Four I mean, with him. So really impressive what he's done. I have a lot of respect for him. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's, it's going to be cool to see him. I don't know that I, I've definitely never, I guess, covered a game because Kentucky hasn't won the SEC regular season uh title i guess in a while um so it'll be interesting it'll be fun i'm looking forward to it so i will catch you saturday and uh, we will also catch up on the cats by 90 podcast next week yes sir thanks for listening make sure to follow cats by 90 on twitter at cats by 90 you can also follow aaron and drew at a gershon 99 and at big blue drew 33 And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.